be with you. I'm very honored to be allowed to share the word of God with you today. And uh, let's pray first. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we honor your presence. We acknowledge your presence, Holy Spirit. We don't take it for granted. <clears throat> we are very thankful. I thank you, Lord, that my brothers and sisters here in Open Church in Dola are free to celebrate, they are free to worship you and praise you and shout aloud to you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, where you are, there is liberty, there is freedom. I thank you for the freedom that we're experiencing here. I thank you, God, that you set us free. Jesus, you set us free, and whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Father God, I pray that you will uh, bless the sharing of your word. Bible tells us that you have exalted your word even above your own name. I don't even understand the implications of that, God, but I just know that you have exalted your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. It is powerful. We thank you for your word, God. We honor you. I bless you. I pray that your word will find good soil in our hearts and that you will find hearts that are ready to receive and to do what your word says. Thank you, Father God. I bless this time now and I thank you so much, Lord. I've been asked to share uh, on this topic, what's in the name? That's a wonderful topic, and today we'll be, I'll be sharing on Jehovah or Yahweh Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth. Uh, <clears throat> this, uh, this title of God, this name of God is, is, is so big. I'm hopelessly incapable of, of uh, doing justice to this name of God. So I just pray, God, that you will speak through me, speak to our hearts. And I pray that today you will be glorified in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Jehovah Sabaoth. Identity. When we're talking about uh, what's in a name, I like this uh, this theme that you've been going through, and I'm glad I was able to to just uh, uh, tag on uh, at the end with this wonderful name of God, Jehovah Sabaoth. Uh, now, who am I to come and uh, share with you about Jehovah Sabaoth, about this wonderful name of God, this powerful name of God? I am nobody. And uh, I don't bring any uh, credentials or uh, any um, diploma or degrees. So who am I to share? What I have is the Word of God. I have the Bible. And I have the Holy Spirit. When God created the earth, heavens and earth, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And God spoke. And everything we see here is due to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Amen. 
So I come as a humble servant, and I trust that God will use me to, to speak to you today. So who am I? Um, I have been a teenager before, earlier in my life, and I remember uh, changing my hairstyle to make it right so I could fit in. Uh, to the horror of my mother, I used to think that the baggy jeans was, was the way to go, so I'd wear baggy jeans. Uh, because that was cool. So, in, uh, for humans, when we're youngsters, when we're teenagers, even grown-ups, this is a big question. Who am I? How do I fit in? Uh, God created Adam and Eve, and they were secure in the garden until they sinned. Immediately they sinned, they started covering themselves, covering the true uh, humans that they were created as, already there we see some confusion of who am I? Um, God says, oh, what have you done? Have you eaten from this tree? And then Adam says, it's not, not me, but this woman. Again, confusion about who he is, taking um, accountability for his, for his own deeds, and also he was like, oh, it's not me, it's the snake. Again, confusion. So since uh, sin entered the world, we're confused about our identity. And we're asking the question, who am I? This is an age-old philosophical question, who am I? And people are trying to understand who am I in relation to the cosmos, in relation to other people. Uh, I have a, a, a simple answer to that question, who am I? And the answer is no. That's the wrong question. You know what the Bible says about human beings? Men are like grass, they're like flowers of the field. But you know what the Bible also says about humans? It says in Genesis 1.27, God, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. So the right question is, who is God? Amen. Before sin came into the world, God created us as created humans, as he wanted them to be. Their identity was secure. They knew who they were. Sin, sin came into the world, and there was confusion about identity. And people have been questioning this, who am I, for, uh, since uh, history began. And I believe it has to do with us being orphans. We were created as children of God, and we were separated from him. So when we seek God, when we know God and understand who God is and get a better understanding of who God is, we understand who we are because we are created in His image. Amen. Amen. And uh, this question, who is God? I would submit this is the most important question we can ask in this life. It's the most important question. It's the most important exercise, finding out who is God, learning about God and knowing who God is. Uh, it's uh, learning about God and knowing about God is different than knowing God, the person, God, the personality of God. But knowing about God and learning about God is essential in getting to know God. So, how important is it to know God? Well, Jesus tells us very clearly uh, in John 17, 3, I love this passage, this verse. Jesus says, 
Now this is eternal life, colon, is defining eternal life. So we need to listen. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing Jesus, knowing God, is eternal life. Eternal life doesn't begin after we die and sometime in the future. Eternal life is for now, and it continues forever. It's knowing God. Amen. I've heard it said once, uh, <clears throat> some people neglect the Bible and uh, neglect reading the Bible, and they're so earnest in seeking God, who are you? Show me who you are. And God's response is, I wrote an entire library of books describing me. It's called the Bible. Uh -huh. God in his infinite wisdom has decided to reveal himself through scripture, through the Bible, through the word of God. And it's for us to study and to get to know God through his word and through the spirit of God. I remember my dad used to say, every believer a Bible student. If we knew the treasure of the word of God, I believe we would be uh, consuming it much more than, than we are. Um, the Bible, the word scripture is God-breathed, meaning it's Holy Spirit inspired. It originates with God, with his thoughts, inspired in humans, and it's uh, written down. And so the Holy Spirit is, in a sense, the author, and he's also the interpreter. So he, one of his roles is to guide us into all truth. So once, when we're reading the word of God, Holy Spirit, we rely on him to also reveal to us who is God through these words that we're reading. Because in essence, they're just words on a page, but in reality, they are life. They are life. They are powerful. Powerful like a two-edged sword. And they're like a mirror who show us who we are. And bring out what's revealed, what's in us, what's within us, and, uh, and it transforms our lives. Praise is powerful and it cleanses us. So all this to say, the word of God is important, and I encourage each and every one of you, if you do not, if you do not own a Bible, please invest in getting one. Please invest in getting one. It is, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, it's important. Please invest in getting one. If you have a, 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 a smartphone, you don't have a physical Bible. Obviously, you get the Bible app. And, uh, and read. The Bible is like a buffet, a huge buffet of God uh, revealing himself. So why would you go and just nitpick and take little scriptures? Or why would we even ignore it? Why not take huge chunks? Why not, uh, you know, read as much as we can to get to know God? This is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and the Son you have sent. Amen. You are uh, blessed by being in a church that has uh, decided to uh, go with this theme. What's in the name? The names of God. Because that is the essential part of life, is knowing God. 
And um, when we meet somebody for the first time, we uh, introduce, uh, get introduced to them. The first thing we learn about them is their name. The name is quite essential in, 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 in a reference of, of who this person is and getting to know a person. The name is very important. So human names, we're given them by our parents, by our family, and they uh, may have a meaning. My name, Simon, has a wonderful meaning. God hears, God listens, and I'm thankful for that name. Other names may not have a meaning, but God's names in the Bible are packed, they're pregnant with meaning, with, with revelation of who he is. They're wonderful, his names. Some of his names, uh, they were given by people who experienced him, and then they gave him a name in relation to that experience. And um, the name today we're going to study is Jehovah Sabaoth. Now Jehovah Sabaoth, um, it says that at, at one point it says even uh, in Psalms, Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, that is his name. So it actually states this is his name, Jehovah Sabaoth. Now, the uh, first one, I'm sure you've been through it, but let me just mention uh, uh, Jehovah um, in the Hebrew Bible is uh, Yahweh. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, there's no vowels in the, in the name. It's uh, four uh, consonants. Um, so Yahweh Sabaoth is Hebrew for, it's translated in most Bibles as Lord of Hosts where the Lord is in capital letters, L-O-R-D. And uh, religious Jews, Orthodox Jews, do not even pronounce Yahweh. They don't pronounce the name of the Lord, the personal name, the proper name of God. They don't pronounce it, they consider it too holy. So for us non-Jews, I don't know if it may be our ignorance or uh, our lack of understanding of the language, but uh, we do uh, attempt to say his name, Jehovah Yahweh, but uh, it is a holy name, his name given to himself and revealed to us. So it is extremely precious. And I find it very fitting, uh, proper that uh, there is some mystery around the, the, the personal name of God, because who is God? How can we know God? He is so great. Uh, we'll never get to the end of, of who he is, right? So, Jehovah, Yahweh, um, it uh, means uh, something along the lines of the existing one. Uh, he is always being, he has always been, he is, he will always be. He's the self-existent one, he's eternal. And uh, Yahweh Sabaoth, Sabaoth means hosts. It's not a very normal, uh, common term. We speak about hosts, I don't use it much in my communication, but uh, host simply means a great number or a multitude. And the word is used to collectively describe, an, for example, an organized army, or heavenly bodies such as the sun, the moon, and the stars, and even the whole of creation. Uh, he is the Lord of the whole earth, of all the earth. He created everything. He is the Lord of all creation. Amen. Amen. He's the Lord of all creation, as Brother uh, Sylvester told us earlier. He's created everything, and he owns everything. Hallelujah. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, is a title of God's military might, his power. 
his strength to fight and win battles. Amen. He has never been in a battle which he has not won the victory. With God there is no defeat. He, he, he can't be defeated. How can he be defeated? It's not possible. Our God is a winner. Uh -huh. And through Christ we can do all things. Amen. So his victory, he uh, longs to, for his victory, Christ's victory to be manifested in our lives. Amen. So we live, to live out his, uh, his victory. Now from uh, Psalms 24, 8, we ask the question, who is God? Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Amen. Now the name of God, Jehovah Sabaoth, it tells us something about God. It uh, reveals a, 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 an aspect of his personality. Uh, a person is so complex that just uh, describing them with few words is not going to... Uh, if you describe me with a few words, it wouldn't be enough to describe who I am. But how much more, more God, who has even created everything, how can we describe him? Is a name enough? It's not enough. But he has given us many names for us to learn and to understand, to give us glimpses of who he is. So many of us would like to focus on uh, Jehovah, my provider, uh, or God is love, or, or, or wonderful things that we need, that we understand we need, but God has given us the entire, well, let me not say entire, he's given us many names to, sh to, le to let us know uh, how big he is. And I'd like to um, to take this topic and just go through it in the sense of letting, uh, bringing a focus to He is the Lord of hosts. Of which hosts? Hosts a multitude. Is it an army? Is it a, a sun, moon, and stars? Yes, it is everything. So I'd like to bring glory to God and, and give us all a sense of awe of how great He is and uh, <laughs> what words can, can, one say, can one say? Uh, he is the Lord of the heavenly hosts, the sun, moon, and stars. God has created and he commands and he controls all the heavenly bodies. The planets and their moons. My son Josiah knows more about the cosmos than I do. He'll tell you that Jupiter and Saturn, they have 60 moons, both of them. But this is nothing compared to other planets who have many more, uh, which have many more moons. Uh, and the stars are, who can count them? God has created each one. I'll read now from Job 9, uh, 6 to 10. You know, Job had a back and forth with his friends. And, um, and so they... they uh, Job at least spoke the truth about, about uh, God. So let me just read these verses. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and the orion, the pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. 
And here he's describing how God has created the stars, these heavenly bodies, and he does what he wants with them. He calls them by name and they, 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 not one of them is missing as we read in Isaiah 40, 25 and 26. To whom, this is God speaking, his words, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. This is a rhetorical question. He's not expecting an answer. There is no answer. But he says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Did anyone else create them? Am I not the one who created them? Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. He knows how many stars there are. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs are on my head today. After I comb my hair, maybe I lost some hairs. He knows exactly how many hairs I have. He is the Lord of hosts, the heavenly host, sun, moon, and stars. He controls them. He created them. Uh, the next one I'll move on is he is the Lord who has authority over demonic hosts. He has authority over fallen angels and Satan. And this to me is, is kind of the one, uh, one aspect which is really in your face. He has power over his enemies, the ones who want to disobey him and work against him. He controls them. God has absolute control over the forces of darkness. Absolute. The devil and his demons do what they can to oppose the will of God, but God is able to do to, do, to take what is meant for evil and to use it for God for good. Amen. God is so much in control that when the devil executes his most diabolical plan, the most evil plan he can think of, he plays right into the hands of God. God is ahead. God is above. Can you think of a good example? I can. The death of Jesus Christ. Uh, the devil tried to stop this great salvation plan of God with the, 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 the nation of Israel for many, many years. He failed. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Amen. We just celebrated Christmas and Jesus was born as a human being. He was born and immediately they tried to kill him. The devil had to do away with it because this salvation plan was not, uh, it was not uh, good in the devil's kingdom. So, um, he managed to, to uh, for Jesus to die. And you would think this is a big victory for the enemy. And I'm sure somewhere he was, he was there, yes, I managed, finally I, I got rid of him. Not knowing, not understanding that was, that was the biggest mistake he could do. Yeah. Now Jesus has provided salvation for every human being in all of history. Amen. The devil did his worst. <laughs> in other words, his best. But he played right into the hands of God. And the Lord of hosts, he is above the fallen angels and Satan. Um, 
Another example is persecution of the church. Whenever Satan wants to pull down the, 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 the church and persecute them, kill off the church, you find that the church grows. We have uh, many examples of this. An example is China, where the church is growing. Another example is Iran. So God's purposes stand. Amen. Um, let me read this uh, passage from Mark 5, 113. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons with his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one was strong enough except when Jesus came by, right? So this man was extremely powerful. I think we can agree. Who of you can break chains, metal chains? I don't think any of us, uh, I don't know that well, maybe you can, but this guy could. Uh, he was possessed and he was, um, he had supernatural strength. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Even him, even him, uh, the demons cannot help but proclaim who Jesus is. Amen. They bring glory to him because they have to. The son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. This demonic presence in this man was absolutely in submission. Without Jesus having done anything, he just came walking. The man ran towards him and bowed down, humbled himself. He was in absolute submission to someone infinitely greater than an evil force within this man. And he begged Jesus again and again, do not send me out of this area. A, a large herd of pigs was feeding in the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down a steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Jesus gave the demons permission. They had to receive permission for him for what to do. He is the Lord of hosts. Amen. Who is in control here? The demons have a boss. We know who the boss is. Devil, this Satan, right? Where was the boss? Where was his power? Where was he? Huh? The devil is absolutely subject to Yahweh Sabaoth. Amen. Let me read from Job 1.12. You remember the, the story? The angels came before God and Satan was among them. Apparently he shows up once in a while uh, in front of God and God said, See, have you seen my servant? Consider him. Job. He's a righteous man. And the devil said, well, well, let me try a little something, then probably he'll uh, deny you God. 
And then God says, very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Here the devil, the boss of those same demons, he's standing in front of God, absolutely in submission. Yes, sir, I'll do that, sir. Okay, I won't, I won't touch his life. I won't, okay. Absolutely in submission to God. Amen. This is the God we serve. The devil is allowed to only do what God permits. Amen. He's not free to do anything he wants. When God sets up a hedge around somebody, protects them, or sends his angels, or sends his word, he is infinitely greater than the evil one. We may think that there is a challenge to God. There is a challenge that demonic forces and, and, and that are work, they are challenged to God, but God is infinitely greater. There is no challenge for God. Amen. So God is the Lord of hosts, even with authority over the demons and even the devil. Lord is, uh, God is the Lord of angelic hosts. Amen. That's beautiful. His holy angels. He is in command of them. He commands his multitude of holy angels. I'll read from Matthew 26, 53, 50, uh, 52, 53. Uh, where is he in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter cuts off the ear because he wants to protect his master. Cuts off the ear. Jesus says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword... For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 12 legions of angels. Immediately God would just send the angels and there would be no challenge. He, he could do this. Jesus gave himself, right? They didn't, they didn't take him and, and kill him. He gave him. He offered himself as a free will offering. Um, but he could have been set free by the angels any time, any time. And I'm sure it, it, it must have been a temptation for him to, well, you know, he, it, it, his own will was, Father, can you take this cup from me? That's the point he was at. It's hard, we can't understand the, what he went through, but he was at a point where his will was, Father in heaven, could you take this cup? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Amen. From Matthew 24, 32, 31, read about the end times, the coming of the Son of Man. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the people of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with glory and great, with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. Amen. From one end of the heavens to the other. He will command his angels and they'll go and do his bidding. He is the Lord of angelic hosts. He created them and they are in his uh, employ, under his command. 
The Lord is also Lord of military hosts of human armies. Um, God fights, or, or let me say it like this, God is not necessarily on the side of the Israeli army uh, in any war or in any situation, in any case. God is... His, his, his uh, purpose will always stand. So whenever it is in his will for the uh, for an army to win a war, he will make sure that they win, so that his purposes stand. I like this uh, text from jo Joshua 5, 13, 15. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. He must have been impressive, I think. He had a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Are you going to be fighting with us? Because this guy was, I, I expect he was impressive. And the, the man answered, Neither, he replied, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Amen. You see, he said, I am not with you, I am not with your enemy. I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and his purposes will be, uh, will stand. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy, and Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. Jericho was afraid because they had seen the army out there, so they barred the doors to make sure they did not come in. Now what does, does this uh, man say? See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. The doors were barred. There was no entry. But by faith, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Do you perceive? Do you see? Are you walking by, by sight or are you walking by faith? Now when Joshua believed in, this, in, in the word of God, they went and took Jericho right. From 2 Kings 6, there's a story where there's a king of Aram who is trying to uh, attack Israel, win over them, and he's becoming increasingly irritated because every time he, he goes somewhere with his army, uh, um, Elisha tells the king of Israel, hey, they're this way, so they're this, this area, so please don't go there, just avoid them. And every time the king of Aram would go somewhere and, and, and make a plan, it wouldn't work out. So he was getting very irritated. He asked, oh, is there somebody inside uh, our army, a mole who's telling the Israelites where we're going? And they're like, no, 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 no. There is a man of God. There is a man of God. It's Elisha who's speaking, uh, who's telling them what's happening. And this guy, the king of Aram, he wanted to do away with uh, Elisha. Elisha. So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there to Dothan, where he heard that Elisha was. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots 
had surrounded the city. This was the servant of Elisha. An army had surrounded them with horses and chariots. Oh no, my lord, he said to Elisha, what shall we do? It looked impossible. They were under attack. What shall we do? And Elisha says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This was invisible. The servant couldn't see that all he saw was Aram's army, the king of Aram. Uh, and Elisha says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Amen. That he may see in the spirit, by faith, what is reality rather than what is perceived with these human eyes. Either there's a reality here, the physical reality, but the spiritual reality is more, is more um, real. Amen. It's more real. What's in the spiritual is there before it comes in the natural. That's why we pray. Amen. For God's purposes to be manifested in the physical. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. And he saw the hills all around full of horses and chariots. Chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So God struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. The Lord of hosts. Amen. Amen. God is great. Uh, also, the modern, uh, in modern days, God uh, fights for Israel. Uh, an exciting story has uh, got to do with a war, that uh, a battle that Israel went through when they declared their statehood on uh, May 14, 1948. Five. As soon as they declared statehood, they were a baby nation, we can say. A baby nation. A tiny new nation. Not very, not super well organized yet. Not, not, not having an air force uh, and so forth. Five neighboring countries, five mechanized Arab armies invaded Israel. They had just declared their statehood independence as a nation and they were attacked by five nations. The Jews had only 35,000 fighting men. They had no air force except for a small training plane out of which the pilot was able to drop a grenade. Uh -huh. This was what they had. And they had only six tanks. So they were up against five nations, and this is what they had. The Egyptian army alone had 40,000 soldiers, 135 tanks, heavy guns, and an air force of over 60 planes, including Spitfires and bombers. And this was just Egypt. There were four other Arab armies. Israel was severely outnumbered and very much the underdog in this fight. Yet, God's purpose was for Israel to become a nation. So his purposes are going to stand, right? Against all odds, the Jewish fighters won. 
many of the battles which, can, which you can read about, because it's history, it's real, and it's quite recent, 1948, many of the battles were won by miraculous intervention. Some of the things that happened, you have to say, hey, God did miracles so that Israel would become the nation it is today. Amen. God is the Lord of hosts of the uh, of his uh, spiritual warriors, human beings that are in his employ. He is preparing his army of warriors, uh, prayer warriors, warriors who are in his uh, army to accomplish his purposes on earth. I'll read from Joel 3, 9 to 11. Proclaim among the nations, prepare for war. Rouse the warriors, let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, Lord. He is the Lord of hosts of, of uh, spiritual warriors. Psalms 110.3, it says, the most quoted psalm is quoted uh, most times in, in, in the New Testament. It's Lord God speaking to his son, Father speaking to his son. He says, verse 3, your troops, your army, your troops will be willing on the day of your battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like the dew of the morning's womb. Amen. I want to read one final uh, passage from Revelation 19, speaking about uh, Jesus. Revelation 19, 11 to 21. I saw heaven, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a white robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. He is the Lord of hosts. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, clean and white. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the, of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has written the, the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying near, come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may know, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, the horses and their riders and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With 
these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with a sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on flesh. There are parts of the Bible we try to, we sometimes avoid a bit. This is very vivid depiction of what's going to happen. God is the Lord of hosts. He is going to wage war and he will come out victorious because that is who he is. He is a victor. He bears the victor victor's crown. There's a wonderful depiction of Jesus in the end times and the armies of heaven follow him. God is Yahweh Sabaoth. Amen. And he has blessed us with this revelation of his name, Lord of hosts. He is in control. He is in control in every realm, in every sphere of creation. He is in control. There is nothing that is not under his control. Amen. So he is sovereignly in command of hosts, all hosts, including the heavenly bodies, the demonic hosts, the angelic hosts, the military armies, and his own spiritual warriors. From before the beginning of history and long after, he has complete, complete control and victory in every single battle. Amen. How should this knowledge of God affect us in our lives? Because one thing is to learn about his name. Now how should it affect us? We are called to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So we should respond to the word of God with an appropriate response. So when God has revealed himself as Yahweh Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, this mighty um, commander who is in charge and who is completely in control. How should this knowledge of God affect our lives? And I would suggest three points. It would be fitting for us to humbly submit to His Lordship. Many of us can relate to Him being our Savior, Jesus being our Savior, but um, to some degree, some of us can struggle with letting Him be Lord in our lives. When He is Lord in our lives, He is the one who is in charge. And um, this is an area that uh, is difficult for most of us, is where we come to our will compared to his will. And as Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Some have said that this is the cross that we are to bear daily, as Jesus says. It's where the will of God meets my will. And every time the will of God meets my will, my will is sacrifice. My will is put to death so that his will may be um, the one that's uh, 
so that he has lordship in our lives and it is his will that's prioritized. So this knowledge of God should uh, bring us to humbly submit to his lordship even more than we've done prior in our lives. It should bring us to worshiping him only. And I know many of us will say, oh, but I worship him, I do worship him. to do that, it was just 
uh, carrying it through that was very difficult for us and also afterwards it was very costly. We experienced uh, very, uh, very profoundly that God honored our obedience. Uh, shortly afterwards, I think it was a weekend afterwards, the same weekend or that week, uh, we came into contact with Open Church Copenhagen. We did not know that church existed. It was quite new at the time. It had been a church for one and a half years, and one of the half one and a half years it was closed due to COVID. So it was a new church. But uh, we um, had been asking God to 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 uh, let us find a, a fellowship that we could uh, join. And we were blessed to find that choice the very same uh, week that we made this choice to obey God. And um, I've experienced being set free from so many things. As a result, I, as a direct result, basically, of, of, uh, of, of this uh, step of obedience, we can clearly see that it had the, the consequences of, of these positive things happening in our lives. And I was set free from so, so many things and um, and uh, experience we experience an awakening in our spirit in our life with God and I am so extremely thankful to God for what he has done and for what he is doing because uh, him who started a great uh, work in you is, will be faithful to complete it and he will be faithful to complete it in our lives in our family so this is just an encouragement Whenever you get to a point where you, uh, it may be difficult to obey God, obey Him in the small things you practice, and when you come to the bigger things that are costly, obey Him unreservedly. Just say, God, may Your will be done. No matter what it costs to me, help me to perceive the reality of how important You are and how important Your will is, God. And may I help me to submit to Your will. Help me to worship you, God, by laying down my will and crucifying my will and obeying you, Lord. Amen. Jesus has victory over sin. Jesus has victory over the world. And Jesus has victory over the evil one and his attacks and his accusations. Jesus has already won the victory. These victories are made manifest in our lives. They become reality in our lives as we submit to him as our Lord. Amen. Amen. So let's do that even more than we have done in 2021 and prior. Let's submit to God. Um, I was in I had the thought earlier today that uh, in the kingdom of God there is no pretending. Uh, it also has to do with this, uh, I was talking about identity. And um, in this age of Instagram and Facebook and whatnot, there's much focus on our identity and who am I uh, and so forth. But in the kingdom of God there's no pretending. God sees right through and he is opposed to hypocrisy, he hates hypocrisy. So he wants us to be people of integrity, he wants us to be honest, he loves honest lips, and he wants us to 
love him with our everything and be honest with ourselves and with with each other and to be open and to share with each other what we have as struggles in our lives for none of us is perfect and to yeah, share our lives with each other so there is no pretending in the kingdom of God as the Bible says the kingdom of God is not about talk it's about power it's not about pretense it's not about words it's not about how we look it's in power and power we have in the name of God in the name of God